This edition of My Thoughts Monday is brought to you by Valve Performance, the team behind the Nordboard, Forstax, the Groin Bar, and Human Track. Guys, the most important ability for all of our athletes is availability, and that's the absolute goal of Valve Performance, is to provide solutions to performance professionals so that we can get the right information to make the right decision at the right time for the betterment of the athletes that we get to work with. To do this, guys, they have a wide range of validated products that focus on usability, and having been founded by the School of Exercise and Nutrition Sciences at the Queensland University of Technology, they're extremely evidence-based and they're beyond transparent. I can tell you that our time using the Nordboard and being involved with Forstex, we have been introduced to so many amazing people that have truly helped us become better coaches, have a better understanding, not just of the technology, but also what we're doing with our athletes. So make sure you hop over to ValPerformance.com today to make sure you check out what they got. It's going to make you better and to do better by your athletes. The world of strength and conditioning is filled with some awesome practitioners who are always trying to evolve and continue to grow professionally throughout their career. The problem with many of us, though, is finding a new outlet, a new way and a new perspective on the questions that we may have, whether it be programming whether it be situational with dealing with coaches, or whether it be career advice. Because all too often what happens is we get stuck in with the same group of friends and the same group of colleagues that we reach out to for advice repeatedly over and over again. But what we should really be looking for is different perspectives, different people who have been through different situations who can help us make better decisions both for ourselves and our athletes. And one awesome place to start with that is the forums in the Strength Coach Network. In the forums in the Strength Coach Network, you'll be able to reach out and get feedback, input, and advice from coaches from all over the world, from everything, from career advice to training modalities to programming. There's people there just for the same reason as you are, to try to get better, to learn, to share information, and to grow the field of strength and conditioning. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash cvasps. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash cvasps to dive into all that great content today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Jay DeMeo coming at you with this week's edition of My Thoughts Monday. Today, guys, I'd kind of like to run down the rabbit hole of a topic that's become a little bit more trendy, a little bit more sexy of late, and you know, especially in the, the world of the internet and social media. And that's the idea of return to play. I think that there are some things... You know, there's some, first off, before I even get there, there's some really sensational resources out there and some people who are doing really tremendous things and, you know, some interviews that we're actually going to have on the podcast here coming up and some that we've had in the recent past that have been sensational in covering the topic. And I, I really think that there are a lot of coaches that are doing some really, really great forward-thinking work that are really doing things for a positive not just for the, the athletes that they get to work with on the daily basis, but for everybody in the profession and are really helping to drive us forward. Um, but there's just three points to this that I want to touch upon because I had a really interesting conversation last night with uh, the sports medicine practitioner that I get to work with who really is the leader of our performance team when it comes to you know, the young people that we get to work with here. and um, It... it it's three really, really big points that I think often get overlooked and I think that are, are parts that are, are really, really important for us to remember. And the first part of that is 
healing. No one ever talks about healing. Giving the individual time to actually recover, heal, process, whatever we want to call it, you know, go through those initial stages of the return to play. You know, we were sitting here talking about a specific situation that, that we've encountered and you know, the, the one thing that, that he says quite often, which really resonates deeply with me, is the more they heal, the more aggressive you can be in rehab. I'd really like you to think about that for a second. You know, the more they heal, the more aggressive you can be in rehab. And you can turn rehab into return to play there. You know, we like to sit here and think that the very second that something happens, we need to be involved and we need to be training and we need to be doing these things and we need to be getting, you know, if it's a leg, we can do single leg training. If it's a shoulder, we can do single arm training. But what if maybe, just maybe, the best thing for us to do is to just let them rest and heal, you know? We've been really lucky that we have some great young people that we work with that have done very well with the protocols that he has put together that have led to the protocols that we have put together together um, in this return to play process. And I think that a big part of that is the fact that he really emphasizes that first part so that we can make sure that things are structurally better or sound. You know, I mean, depending on how long we have, it may not be 100%, but allowing them to heal more so we can really attack it and, and get the kids going and get them moving and really build upon it, you know? Because I think, too, that we worry all too often that it's going to take too much time. And I don't necessarily think that's the case. And that leads me to my second point in this. And that's that as a coach, you've got to trust what you did and you have to understand what you did. And I guess that the question with that is when we sit here and we fight, if that's the word, or we push for kids to be doing stuff super, super quick, do you? Do you trust what you did? Do you understand what you did? Is the work that you did through the off season and then the work you're doing in season enabling you to allow them to take some time, right? You know, I think that the, the one chart that uh, Joseph Johnson from the works that he's put out that is probably the most important is Isserin's chart when it comes to residual training effects, right? And how is that impacting what your in-season training is, you know? How is your knowledge of the sport impacting what these protocols are? What are you doing through the season and the off-season to make sure you're filling these buckets and that you're making sure that these these people are best physically prepared for the worst case scenarios, right? And I, I think that we look at it all too often as we have to have phase A, B, C, D instead of continually developing upon what we were doing and making sure that these general characteristics that we know are so important, right? Like just simple general strength and aerobic abilities are maintained and, and progressed throughout the year, you know? Why those two in particular? Well, they're the two with the longest residual training effects. And for the most part, they're the two that fill the buckets the most, in my opinion, that most sports and sport practices don't necessarily cover. So are you making sure that these 
you know, the bottom of the pyramid is always taken care of because we love to talk about that. And, you know, you can go greater with the specific if the bottom of that pyramid is bigger. You know, I mean, like that's something that we, we say we do, but do we actually do it? And are we making sure that as we progress through the year that we're continuing to keep those those qualities high? Because again, if there's something where a kid has to sit for a week or two and really just do nothing to heal, can you trust your preparation with them to give them those two weeks? Or are you going to be so afraid that they take those two weeks that they're not going to be able to come back? And again, this is going to lead us to step three, which is going to be you have to trust your sports med practitioner. You have to have a sensational relationship with them. And even more importantly, you got to watch your step. And I think right now, because this whole idea of not having silos became really, really sexy. And I agree with it. To a point, I agree with it. But you have to understand the limits of our scope of practice and where we need to defer and where we need to listen and where we need to make sure that we are in a supporting role to your sports medicine practitioner, your PT, your ATC, whatever it is, so that you are doing what is in the best interest of the athlete. Because when you start stepping over that line, not only are you putting yourself at risk, but, you know, it could be debated that that might be a little bit more of a selfish move than what's best for the athlete. Now, of course, there are situations and things where there are unique aspects to this, that, and the other part of these relationships. But you need to be on the same page at all times moving forward and understanding that. Because again, if you're going back and you have an issue with letting this person heal and you want them to be doing all these other things, while the sports med practitioner is telling you they need a break, they need to recover, they need to get better, they need to get over this, they need to heal, there's a problem right off the bat. And if you and your sports med practitioner aren't on the same page with what your off-season and in-season work is, how are you both going to trust it? And if you both don't trust it, now there's going to be situations where you're overlapping or butting heads or whatever it may be in the rehab and return to play process. So understanding what are the important buckets that you're filling, why you're filling them, what you're doing at that time of the year, how it's building off what you did in the offseason, how it's building off the last 12 months of what you've been doing with these people, hopefully. And then understanding where your limits are. How can you help? Where should you get out of the way? What can you do to piggyback what they're doing? Because what they should be doing, right, is helping this young person return to play. They should be helping them in the healing process, in the rehab process. How can you piggyback that? What can you do to help them? What can you do to help the athlete? What can you do then to fill these other buckets that may be important to them returning? What can you do then to fill other buckets that may be out of your sports medicine practitioner's scope of practice? Because at the end of the day, it can't be a tug of war. You both have to be rowing the boat in the same way. And I, I really do. Again, I would say that I'm, I'm, I'm a lucky guy to have not just a person who is a, as, as great at what they do, but forward-thinking at what they do, involved in the whole process, and a great leader and communicator as I am to have the person that I get to work with every day Add that in with a relationship that's over 10 years working together. And we understand where we're going with these things. 
We understand where the push and pull are, and we don't really care who gets the credit for whatever it may be, because what we're doing is trying to make sure that we're, what we're doing is best for the student athletes that we get to work with. But at times, we get into situations where we maybe don't necessarily agree with this, that, or the other thing. How can we sit down and develop better plans, listen more, speak less, and help deliver better for what the sports medicine practitioners are? Because at the end of the day, they're the ones with the final say. Help them, work with them, allow them to teach you what they're trying to do, and then help them understand better what you're trying to do. Because it, it wasn't done in a day, it wasn't done in a year, but it didn't take as long as people would think for us to be able to work together the way we do. And really, at the end of the day, if everybody's just thinking about what's most important for the athlete, then these things fall into place on their own. But what I'd love to hear from you guys is how you're doing this. What are some things that you're doing to help better the return to play process? How are you working better with your sports medicine or your physical therapists or your team doctors in order to make sure that your athletes are returning in the best way possible from the unfortunate situations that they may have encountered. Because at the end of the day, if you're doing something better that you think people should know about, please share it with us. Let us know so we could all get better. And as always, guys, I truly appreciate everything you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We'll be back next week with another My Thoughts Monday. I'll see you then.